Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. All right, Aim. We are still in Florida. Yay! Second on location. Second on location. I don't know if it counts as on location if we travel here together. Well, we're not on location for anything other than we're not at home. <laughs> right. What does on location mean? Does that mean someone's paid you to be there? I don't know. I just always think of a reporter like, on location here at the dog show. Oh, I may have misused that then in the previous episode. We're in a different location. There you go. We'll take it. We're still on location, just not to anything besides the fact that we're on vacation together. Let me be clear. No sponsorships have supported this trip to Florida. (laughs) We're open to it, but currently, no. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to do an episode tonight that I've been saying that I'm going to do for a while. I'm going to do Secret Societies Part 2. Oh, I'm so excited I get to be part of the Part 2. Yes, and honestly, I mean, we could probably do a Part 3, but I don't know that it that I'm going to. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep it on the back burner. It'll be a secret. <laughs> if I want to do it, I do it. If I don't, then I won't. Okay. Because that's our how podcast. this topic goes. It's our podcast and we can do what we want. Big shout out to Britannica and the Smithsonian for great articles on some lesser known secret societies. So in the last episode, I covered more of the major ones. Sure. Both of these episodes feel like such oxymorons. Like, they're secret, but we're going to talk about them. (laughs) So here's what I find very interesting, and I hopefully don't spill the beans on a future episode, but I know that you were trying to do a specific kind of secret society, and I'm just going to throw it out there. They were women-based secret societies, and you could not find a lot, if any. It was very hard, and actually we are going to talk about it later, but fine that we brought it up now. Because I'm going to touch on a few that I kind of found. But if I were to do a third episode, it would be because I could find more information on some true female-led secret societies. Here's my theory, though. This is not to be playing, like, the woman versus man card. I just think that women were probably better about their secrets. Or sneakier. If the Smithsonian is talking about secret societies, they didn't make them secret enough. That's just my only point. That's my only <laughs> argument here is that somebody did a really good job of being secrety, and others did less good jobs. Exactly. That's the only thing. Yes. Yeah. And finding women secret societies that weren't affiliated with male ones was really hard. Well, as we learned, when we learned about Agent 355, we may not even know because people were just missing them because some of these male historians probably didn't write down the fact that she was hanging laundry on the line. And that's how we were getting codes out there because he was like, women's work. And like, look at this, how it's still a secret. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, we should probably start. All right. Yeah. Let's dig into what I do have for us today. So the first one I want to start with is, it's a funny name, the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Oh, I love that. Like they found a bunch of odd gentlemen and brought them together. (laughs) I guess so. Okay. Well, no, actually, I'm going to tell you what actually happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the society or club has been around since 1812. It was started by George IV, who was the Prince Regent of the United Kingdom. He wanted a relative to be able to... So he was a Freemason. Mm -hmm. And he wanted a relative of his to be able to join the Freemasons 
but he didn't want this relative to have to go through the lengthy initiation process. The Freemasons basically said, no, everyone has to do it. His request was denied, so he started a rival club. Oh my gosh, I feel like that's so high school. <laughs> like, you don't want to be part of our group, we're going to make our own group. <laughs> yes. He started the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows, and the club is still around. They refer to themselves just as the Odd Fellows. They are grounded in the ideals of friendship, love, and truth. And actually do a lot of service work and charity work. Good for them. Honestly, if I were to vote on names, even though I think Oddfellows is sillier, I like it better. Freemasons, kind of lame. Oddfellows, I'm in. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. I like it. And one of the articles that I read about this kind of noted that these ideals of friendship, love, and truth were not common at the time. Well, sure, because we weren't like out there hugging our besties or anything. We were just kind of... In the shadows, being nice to people. That sounds sad. Yeah, but so they had actual groups to, like, promote these things. It's just interesting to me. So how do we know they're still around today? Are they less secret now? If I'm remembering correctly, I've read so many different things on so many different societies for this. But some of these societies actually have an actual website you can go to. Oh, so, like, semi-secret society. So maybe we're secret at one point, maybe no longer quite so secret. Maybe they had to be secret because love, friendship, and truth weren't readily public yeah well like i said they were kind of like oh that's what your thing is going to be that's kind of radical and i actually think it's cute because their symbol are three links like think three chain links sure so love truth and friendship i like that yeah i mean they have a whole bunch of symbols like every secret society does well how would you pass along secret code without secret symbols exactly yeah some notable eccentrics that are counted among their ranks. Eccentrics is not my word. Charlie Chaplin. Oh. P.T. Barnum. Oh. Wyatt Earp. These are odd fellows. Yeah. Al Pinkerton. I don't know Al Pinkerton. Also, some high heads of states. Winston Churchill. Know him. Franklin Eleanor Roosevelt. Know him. Oh, I yeah. like the odd fellows. All of those people you listed, I think I like. I don't know Al Pinkerton, though. I should, good for up, him. I should have looked up Al Pinkerton, so. Well, maybe. You never know. Next 75th episode. hour it. I just like how we have questions that we didn't answer. We're just like, yeah, 75th There's hour There's a it. whole episode for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole point of recapping every 25 episodes. So we're going to come back to the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows. But first, let's talk about some other societies that, and this one especially, isn't so secret anymore because they are still active and a partner of the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, Not such a great secret keeper then. Yeah. So what I found interesting was this group has a charter from the United States Congress, which we'll get to, and they are called the Knights of Pythias. I think I'm saying that right. Okay. They were founded by Justice H. Rathbone, who was a government employee in Washington, D.C. in 1864. The country was in the midst of the Civil War, And Justice Rathbone felt that there was a need for an organization that practiced brotherly love. Oh, I like that a lot of these are founded in, like, a need to connect with similar people or, like, find companionship in a positive way. Yes. Yes, and I will note, not this one specific, but I find it 
interesting because there was a lot of organized religions that are against these type of secret societies. I see. Because they don't like that they have their own like initiation and rituals and things that they do and they kind of feel like they're like pseudo-religious. I see. Because a lot of these secret societies are open to anyone from any religious background or any practicing any religion. Got it. They're more about their mission, their charity, whatever their focus is. Which I just think is kind of funny because a lot of them are very positive. At least the ones we're going to talk about today are all pretty positive. Interesting. But they all started out secretive, which, right, like you said before, might be a sign of the times. Right. Back to what I mentioned earlier about the Knights of Pythias that they have a charter from the U.S. Congress. That made me wonder, well, what does having a charter from the U.S. Congress mean? Right. Basically, it means that a law is passed by Congress that states the mission, authority, and activities of the group. Charters were issued from 1791 until 1992, so it sounds like they're not issued anymore. And it just establishes a relationship with Congress, but it's mostly symbolic. Congress does not have any powers or supervision over the society. Interesting. So it's basically recognition. Yeah. Well, hey, I would like a charter from Congress, so they're doing something right. Yeah. Well, you would have had to been like two to get one because they don't do those anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, I missed my, missed the window then. Yeah. You had two years to get it done and you didn't. Slacker. So the next two groups I thought were interesting because they were formed to help their members have health insurance, basically. First group is the Ancient Order of the Foresters. They were started in England and offered sick benefits to their working class members. In the 1870s, the American and Canadian branches left the Ancient Order and set up the Independent Order of Foresters. These chapters required a member doctor to complete a physical for new members. Interesting. So it's like a crazy early form of, like, insurance, basically. Well, I was going to say it kind of makes me think of credit unions, right? Like, they're members funding members. So it's people coming together to fund the unfunded because traditional banking wasn't working. So the second group that kind of did this insurance thing as well was the Ancient Order of the United Workmen. The group was started by John Jordan Upchurch, and 13 other in Meadville, Pennsylvania in 1868. Their goal was better conditions for the working class. And one interesting thing they did was if a member died, they would each contribute $1 to that member's family, up to $2,000. So this is in the 1860s, 1870s. Wow. Would you like to guess how much $2,000 then would be now? Sure. $2,000 in 1860, translated to 2022 money, would be $1.3 million. Okay, well, you're way high. Okay, $400,000. Okay. You're really shooting for the moon here. The last time you asked me to guess something, it was a $7 million bottle of champagne or something like that. Fair enough. So I thought swing closer to the millions. <laughs> okay, what is it? Forty thousand, just shy of forty thousand dollars today. Interesting. All right. Well, which is a significant amount, right? If that is a significant amount. Spouse dies, and it's other members just contributing. Members funding members. Yeah, it's because good people exist in these worlds. Exactly. 
So like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I would have loved to do women only. And if I can pull that off one day, I will. So one of the women's societies that I did find was the Order of the Eastern Star, which is an offshoot, or as they call themselves, an appendant body of the Freemasons. I really like that term, an appendant body. It's an appendant body. Makes me think of like your appendage. I'm sure they're right. all rooted in the baby Latin words that go together and make all these words. Did you say the baby Latin words? I don't know why it's baby. But I know. know you mean like the root words. R- yes, <laughs> root words. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking I for, not baby. <laughs> I appreciate baby Latin words better. Root Latin But I also words, yeah. agree that when you said it, I was like, oh, so like whatever they're the appendant body of yeah. gets to be like your torso and then they're like the arm. <laughs> so yes. So they're an appendant body of the Freemasons. It's not exclusively for women, but was created by lawyer and educator Rob Morris in 1873. Rob Morris created it so that important Masons' wives could also participate in the Freemasons. So it includes men and women. In this order, women can, like, rise up the ranks and become grand matrons, but... To join, men must be master masons. Ah. So it's like a, you have to accomplish A to do B. Yeah. If a male that you are related to gets to this rank, then you can participate. Then you can participate. Yeah. I see. And then also, just to note, this particular order is based on teachings of the Bible. Freemasons is not. I see. But members from any religion can still be part. Of the Order of the Eastern Stars. If they have a Master Mason. Yeah. That is the caveat. Got it. One really cool women's only secret society that I was able to find was the United Order of the Tents, which is a female-led African-American society. And recently... In 2021, so for real recently, the Eastern District Number 3, the society reintroduced themselves to the local community by hosting an event in the Brooklyn Public Library in New York. The society's goal is to advocate and assist the African-American community, specifically women and children. So they decided to kind of come out and reintroduce themselves to the community so that The community knows the work that they're doing, but they can also continue to grow their organization because their goal is really to be a beacon of hope in their community. Oh, I love that goal. Yeah. What a great group. Honestly, and what a good step to reintroduce yourself and say, we're here, we're staying around, here's what we do, we want you to participate. Exactly. Let's talk about one more that I think is kind of funny and then we're going to go back and talk about the Order of the Odd Fellows a little bit more. I was going to say, when are we circling back to the Odd Fellows? We're going to circle back to them. Okay. But I want to end with them because they have some kind of fun facts. This secret society I thought was kind of funny. Funny in their approach, not necessarily in what they do. So they are called the Molly Maguires. Again, a great name. Yeah. However, though, this particular group would partake in illegal activity. Oh. Uh. But they would do it dressed as women, so they were less identifiable. Wow. That's an approach. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wonder if um, the Molly Maguires are the inspiration for the Peaky Blinders. 
Isn't that a Netflix show? Yeah, but I've never seen it. Oh, I've seen it. My husband loves Peaky Blinders. They don't dress as women to rob things, at least not yet. Okay. But they're like a group of like mobsters. Maybe I have missed the point of Peaky Blinders. Anyways, go for it. (laughs) Okay. So they dress as women to carry out their illegal acts. They were around in the 1870s and are maybe earmuffs for little kids and are suspected of killing 24 foremen <gasps> and supervisors in the coal mines of Pennsylvania. Oh. So I I would assume, guess, that maybe they thought they were kind of being like vigilantes for workers' rights because it seems that they only targeted foremen and supervisors, so higher-ups. Interesting. Yeah. They were also frequent arsonists and would send death threats to people. Interesting, interesting. So kind of a rough group, for rough, sure. Especially given the others that we've chatted about this evening. Yes. This day, whenever you're listening. Yeah. They were undone by a mole planted by the Pinkerton Detective Agency, which the mining companies hired to investigate the deaths. Tell me this is not a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's not Peaky Blinders, which it kind of sounds like it is. But anyways, they should use some of the storylines. A mole placed by the Pinkerton Detect. That's a pinky and a brain episode right now. So apparently, and I'm going to earmark this as a potential topic for the future, but the Pinkerton Detective Agency is apparently a pretty notable kind of famous agency. I haven't heard of it. Interesting. But. Ooh, our next episode based on PIs. Yeah. Also, just detective agencies and PIs just in general are fascinating. Fascinating. Also, I feel like they have that real, like, old world rap. Like, the guy in the fedora and the trench coat in, like, the 30s and the 40s who's, like, smoking a cigar. That is what I imagine detective work to be. And I'm sure... Well, now you see, like, all of the TV shows of, like, CSI-type detectives. Yeah. It's very different mental pictures. Very. Yeah. Well, I'm going to dip it then. Okay, you can dip dip it. Shocking. Shocking you're going to dib the detective one. So back to the Molly Maguires. 20 Maguires were sentenced to death by hanging. Wow. I remember this is in the 1870s. Another secret group called the Order of the Sons of St. George, which was formed to oppose the Maguires, then seemed to kind of disband and vanish after the Maguires were no longer working society. So after they were sentenced and all this stuff happened, obviously they stopped existing. So you're telling me that the Molly Maguires and the... And the Order of the Sons of St. George. Yeah, Order of the Sons of St. George are like in back alleys in the 1870s having fisticuffs. I don't know. But they were opposing societies. Uh, this is a TV show. This is Peaky Blinders. Everyone is like, Amy, it's not. If you watch it and I'm doing this no justice, I apologize. But this is what happens. This sounds exactly like it. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Also, fisticuff means fighting, right? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it sounded right when you said it. I will come back to that. Okay, yeah. Well, sounds like I should have pulled more on this society for you because you're very into this one. I'm not into it. I'm just saying for all the hours I've had to spend sitting watching the show with my husband, I just feel like it's coming full circle now. Maybe. They're Maybe. probably trying to sell, like, secret alcohol or something. 
Well, well prohibition mean, doesn't happen for a bit. Yeah. Well, the Molly Maguires are going after coal mining foreman and supervisors. So oh, you take a little from this, you take a little from that to create your Netflix show. You know oh, what I mean? Exactly. Inspiration. Exactly. Back to the odd fellows. Let's go back to the odd fellows because I have a couple more fun facts I want to share with them. So the Order of the Odd Fellows were the first national fraternity to accept both men and women. Good for you, Odd Fellows. Yeah. So it formed the Daughters of Rebecca in 1851, and Eleanor Roosevelt, like we mentioned earlier, would eventually become a member. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they kind of had a female society. A little bit more progressive for secret society's sake. Yeah. But again, still attached to a male secret society. So you want to talk about some scandal? Always. Although we did just talk about the murders, so... Yeah, I mean, that's more scandalous probably in retrospect than... That's the right word, right? Retrospect? Yeah. Than this, but this one was more alley interesting, I guess. In 2001, the LA Times reported that the discovery of numerous Jane Doe skeletons were found at different... Odd fellow fraternity halls. Oh no! And it sparked outrage and police investigations across the country, including in Missouri, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. So they murdered people. I don't think so. So I tried to go to the LA Times original article, but you have to be an LA Times member to read it. Uh-huh. They wouldn't let me read it, and I was not. I'm sorry, everyone. Maybe when we have sponsors. Not going to pay to read this article. Right, LA Times, if you want to send it to us, you can get our email at the end of this. Yes. So I did look up some other articles from the same time from... And I should have shout out to whatever one was the one that was free and let me read it. I apologize. Most likely, the skeletons were purchased from scientific or fraternal supply companies. So they were like researchy skeletons. Yeah, like you would buy a skeleton for your like science classroom. They don't come or, with names. If someone donates their body to science, it doesn't have like a little toe tag that says. Well, Beth. some of these. So in two thousand one, some of these skeletons were potentially a hundred and fifty years old. Okay. This order has been around a very long time. The Odd Fellows order. Yeah. So, and I will say, the Odd Fellows. Helped with the investigation. They didn't hide anything. They answered all the police questions. From what I read, it doesn't sound like anyone was arrested or they got in trouble. So, yes, they were actual human skeletons, but it sounded like as much as you can be on the up and up while owning a human skeleton, they were. (laughs) It's a very strange (laughs) sentence, but I understand what you're saying. (laughs) So why did they have these skeletons? For... Research. For their initiation ceremony. Ew. I don't know what it is. It's secret. Well, obviously. <laughs> Would not be a very good secret society thing if there wasn't a secret involved. Yeah. So it sounds like most of the lodges have skeletons hidden somewhere in them. And the reason they have the skeletons is to remind you of your mortality. I feel like there's other ways of doing that, but I can understand the concept. But, like, I think it's, like, in a positive, let's do good, let's be here while we're here. I see. Make the impact while you're here before you become this pile of bones. Yes. I see. I mean, it probably sounds nicer the way that they... Yeah, well, messaging is everything. Yeah. Like you said, (laughs) as much as you can be on the up and up owning a (laughs) bag of bones. 
Well, at least we think they purchased them and they didn't create them. Yes. That's the impression I got from the article I read, is okay. they were most likely purchased from a scientific supply company. Okay. We can we can understand the messaging. I still think if any society I was part of had an initiation ceremony with real bones, I'd be out. Yeah, uh, sure. That's I'd see. Fine. I'd see. I'd see what it was about. I'd be like, <laughs> I, I would give it a chance. Okay. Because it sounds like everything else is is real nice. Really nice. They're gonna do charity and. Well, I'm trying to put myself 150 years ago, right? Like when this started, they probably didn't have the plastic skeletons that we have that would demonstrate the concept. So if your only option for a skeleton was to purchase one from like Yale, because yeah. that makes me feel better. Then fine. Yeah. But let's replace them with some resin ones or something. Yeah. My random hypothesis, nothing I read. You're a member and you pass and you're like, yeah, they can have my skeleton. I want to be the reminder of mortality. Uh, to each his own. <laughs> I'm really trying to get there, Al. Okay. You're not into the skeletons. No. That's fine. I do appreciate that we spent more time on the up and up skeletons than on the murdered supers and managers and stuff. Well, there wasn't much more to add on that besides they did it. They did it. They were... The Molly McGuire. Investigated and put to death over it. Yeah. Okay. Well, they got theirs then. Yeah. This is such a hostile topic. (laughs) This is really taking a turn. I should have saved the women thing, the... Reintroduced to the, the daughters of yeah. Rebecca for the end for you. I'm sorry. I had something that was interesting for me, not for you. You know, it's your episode. Yeah, it is. All right, Amy. We'll do with that what you will. Thanks for letting us talk at you. And if you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, you can email us. Email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It is also our Instagram and our Facebook and our website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 